Welcome to the Rhodes Church Podcast. We are so excited to connect with you. We hope that this podcast builds your faith and that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. So I mentioned earlier that last year, Pastor had mentioned when he was in Dawsonville um, trying to preach, if you remember that, um, he said the Lord had told him, get comfortable being uncomfortable. And I think, I think that's a place where we are as a, as a body, is he's moving us. And as a believer, by the way, that's what should be happening, movement, right? It's not a static faith. If you're static and still, you're not going the right direction. The faith is a moving faith. You know, we have on Discipleship Road, we have Caneo classes or several in Caneo. I think there are about 40 altogether in our church that are in Caneo. And the word Caneo means movement. That's what it means. And that, that is our faith. Jesus says, come, follow me. And so what we've seen, I have to mention, what we've seen in the last uh, couple of weeks in our country with the Asbury University revival, and I know there's been debate, is it revival, is it not revival, I don't know. But I don't think there's any question that God met people there in Asbury and met those students and began to draw people there and then what happened there has begun to spread and so there appears to be and I talked about this last time I was here there is a moving in this church and has been for a period of time and we're sensing even a greater degree of that moving, even in the last week. Even in the last week. We always have prayer on Monday nights and Saturday nights. And this week we had a special prayer time. There were folks that called and said, can we pray? Yeah, yeah, we'll open up. And so there was a special prayer time here on Tuesday night that lasted for quite a while. And then in Mount Carmel, there was a special prayer time on Wednesday night and Thursday night and Friday night and, of course, the regular time on Saturday. We had another special time here on Friday night. You know there's a lot of things going on. We had another special prayer time here Friday night, and we had 45 people. And I kind of look around and I'm thinking, well, this is amazing. And why are you here? You know, kind of a thing. And then last night, Saturday night here, we had 59. And we've got a lot of people who are regulars that aren't here, in case you hadn't noticed. And so there's a stirring. There is a stirring. And as I remember talking with a gentleman uh, that I knew as a minister he was an evangelist and a student of revival. And one of the things he said about revival was there's always a heart, what he called a heart 
hunger toward prayer. There's a, there's a turning in people's, there's, there's a renewal, there's an interest, there's a movement toward prayer, and we sense that here, right? And then the other thing that we know historically about revival is there's great brokenness. There's great brokenness. There's an acknowledgement of who we are, the things that have happened in our lives, the sense of the love of God, the words we got today becomes overwhelming to people. And I think that's what happened in Asbury. The reports I'm hearing back, they say it's very much a great sense of love that they're feeling from the Father. But there's also a sense of repentance, and those two go together. Those two go together, where people are broken. Now, I also think that the Lord is doing a new thing. And so what might happen here won't necessarily look what, like what happened there. And so we're praying for a new thing. We're praying, and, and honestly, the reason, the reason why, and, and again, so many things are uncomfortable for me this morning. The first time pastor asked me to preach, and when he asked me, I said, and by the way, I just want to preach. I don't want to do the early thing, the crew rally. I don't want to do the transition. I don't want to do any of that. I just want to preach. And he said, okay. And this time when he asked me, he said, what about the other? I said, oh, yeah, I'll do that. <laughs> so <laughs> getting comfortable, being uncomfortable. And so he's moving us to a different place. All, all of us. All of us. He's moving us to a different place. And so I don't have necessarily a lot of time. So I'm going to kind of look through this, but we, we do love the Word of God, and that's probably the best thing I can do this morning. It is the living Word of God, amen. It is a light unto our feet, unto our path. John 1 says, in the beginning was, and the Word was with, and the Word was, we love the Word of God, Amen. Turn with me to, book, to the book of Philippians. <clears throat> this happens to be my favorite book. It is known as the book of joy. And is written by the apostle Paul, who happened to be in prison. So if you missed any of that, let me say it again. It is the book of joy. That is a woo. I don't usually get two woos, but I'll take it. It is a book of joy, and Paul was in prison. So as you read this book, you've got to remember the context of what is going on. And so I'm going to read my favorite verses. Uh, Philippians 2. And, I, and I, let me say this, because I was going to say it. And I'm, and I'm, I'm rolling right now because I know it's, uh, anyway, trying to figure some things out. But I was, I kind of got off track. The reason why I'm over to the side is I don't want there to be any doubt what this service is about or who this service is about. 
It is only about Jesus. And so this body is only about Jesus. Not about any one person. Uh, It's not about a performance at all. We are here for him. Amen. Philippians 2, begin with verse 5. And I'm, I'm in the New International Version. I think that's what you'll see on the screens. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset. Some translations say same attitude. I like the word attitude as Christ Jesus, who, Jesus, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. So this is, and and I don't know that I'll get through it all, uh, this service, and I apologize already. Uh, this happened last time I spoke, by the way. For those of you who are normal first service attenders, um, you didn't get all the ser- sermon last time I spoke. It was in the second service. <laughs> so I apologize in advance. But the Lord, when he reveals things to me, and I know we're all different, he reveals words. Like, I don't, I don't, when I say that, sometimes we, <laughs> I literally mean a word. When I say he reveals words, it's a word. My wife gets a paragraph or a chapter, and it's kind of irritating, to be honest with you. Every now and then, I will get a little bit more, but usually it's a word. And so I had something else I was going to talk about today and I, it seemed to kind of click and go, yeah, that's what I want to do. And then he gave me a word and he wouldn't let go of it. And so I said, okay, we'll lean into that. And it's the word expectation. Expectation. And my question for you today is, what is your expectation for even coming on a Sunday morning? Do you even have an expectation? Uh, Are you here just because somebody's, you're trying to, the husband, the wife, the parents, you're just checking the box, make sure they're happy? I'm sure some of us are that way. Or maybe your expectation is on pastor or on the worship team. So there's lots of different things we can look at when we say the word expectation. But the point is we should have an expectation as we come to worship, as we come Sunday morning, right? If we're seeking the presence of God, there certainly should be a level of expectation we have from the living God. And we have said from this platform before that we are no longer willing to have a normal service We will no longer go back to check the box, come in, sing, listen, and go home. And so what is your expectation? What is your expectation? Flip back just to chapter 1 in Philippians. 
And I'm just going to read a couple verses there. Chapter 1, beginning with verse 19. It's really, I'm looking at the very end, it won't be on the screen, the very end of verse 18, Paul says, yes, and I will continue to rejoice. You know, that, that just blows my mind that he's, anyway, for I know that through your prayers, the prayers of the church in Philippi and God's provision of the spirit of Jesus Christ. What has happened to me will turn out for my de deliverance. Remember, he's under arrest. It's probably not a very nice jail. It's probably not a good situation that he's in. They're not providing him food. That has to be provided from the outside. It's, I'm sure, not very clean. It is not pleasant. But he's believing that everything will work out for his deliverance. Why? Because I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. You see, Paul was awaiting trial, and he didn't know what was going to happen. He was hopeful about what might happen, but he was settled in his mind, regardless of the outcome, for me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Is that our attitude today? Is that our attitude today? For me to live is Christ, but to die is even better. But I picked out those words from verse 20, I believe, where it says, I eagerly expect. And let me share some of these other translations. The Passion translation says, passionately cling to Jesus. I like that. The New King James, this is for Pastor Chad, says, earnest expectation. A serious expectation of something that is to happen. The New Living Translation says, fully expect. Fully expect. Now let me give you some definitions of this word, expectation. The concentrated desire that abandons all other interests with outstretched hands in anticipation. Another one says averting of the eyes from other objects. And finally, intense expectation of something that is sure to happen. Intense expectation of something that is sure to happen. You see, Paul had no doubt that everything was going to work out for his deliverance. He had no doubt and he knew his expectation level was at such a height that he knew something was going to happen. Are we that way when we come in on Sunday morning? Where we know beyond a shadow of a doubt is our expectation at such a level that we know beyond a shadow of a doubt that something is going to happen? 
I was in, guys, I want to throw up that slide if you don't mind. I'm fast forwarding here. We'll hit all this to some degree. I was, when I started journaling, how many of you are not journalers? Because I was not, most, several. I'm not, I was not. And then I heard, I mean like really not, like I don't like to write, I don't like any of it. Okay, like serious, not journaling. And then I heard a message, and it was a message talking about manna. And for some reason, and, and this is, I want to connect this with, with expectation. For some reason, that connected with me. And, and I grabbed a hold of it. And when, when they're talking about that picture of manna, that provision every day, the new provision every day that God had for the Israelites... I thought, that's for me. I'm going to receive that and take that. And now I believe that every day, Father God is going to provide manna for me. And when he does, I'm going to write it down. And so from the very beginning, uh, September of 21, I started writing. And words started coming to me. The first thing I wrote down were the names of God. Beginning to understand the names of the Father. The second thing I wrote down, I just looked at it, was he asked me to count the cost. Count the cost of what you're doing. And then the next word he gave me was the word humility. And I have been on the word of humility since September of 2021, and I'm still there. And I, I tend to just linger in those words and meditate on those words. And December of last year, he gave me another word, and it's the word desperation. And I didn't really like it necessarily, but it's like, okay, Lord, I hear it. And I thought that was a new word. But when I went back to this first book, the word immediately after humility was desperation. All the way back to September of 21. I think one of the greatest hindrances in the church, not just ours, but the church, is pride. Spiritual pride that was my problem. If you've seen the testimony video that Melody and I did, you get a glimpse of that, but only a glimpse because there, you know, only so much time. And it wasn't something where I felt like I was proud necessarily. But now looking back, I can sense that in my spirit, I felt like I pretty much got it. I understand. I have a pretty good grasp of what's going on. I've studied. 
I've been around. And I think the Lord was very gentle <laughs> with me over those years. Till the time in the water, <clears throat> and some of you know the story, the very first immersion service, and Melody and I waited eight hours. We were the last ones on that first night. That entire time he was dealing with my pride. I don't wait for anything for eight hours. Or four hours. Or if there's a line at the restaurant, out. It's just not, was not my nature to wait. And so as I deal with these words and look, as I meditate on them, and I was on desperation for a while, it's interesting that recently we've heard people here give words about preparation and urgency. And I believe we are in a time of preparation here. But the Lord told me, and, and this is what was interesting, things happened to me in the shower, and with water, I think, maybe. I don't maybe that there's a connection with water. And so I was going through these words, and it was early. It was like, it was early. And, I, and I'm not a morning person at all. Are there any morning people here? What about night people? Okay, I'm like, I'm, I'm like a, an 11 to 1 kind of guy. During lunch, I'm solid. Other than that, kind of hit and miss. <laughs> but not a morning guy. Anyway. So, I'm in the shower. And I've been going with these, we're all four of these. Well, not all four, but some of these words. And the Lord... I'm, and so I start writing on the shower wall with my finger. And the first word was humility on the top. And then the next word was desperation. And he said, desperation leads to preparation. And then under it all was urgency. And I was a little confused, to be honest with you, about the desperation leading to preparation. I didn't know if I really understood that. And desperation's an interesting word anyway. It's uh, hopeless is one of the synonyms, certainly. But one of the synonyms I liked was the one intensity. I think that's, I think there's a longing there's a level of preparation that it's talking about. And so, but I didn't understand how, how desperation can lead to preparation. And then, and then as a hiker, I thought, you know, if I get lost, if I'm hiking and I get lost, which I've never been lost, my wife would say I was lost. If you're a hiker, it was just a spur. And if you know what a spur is, you know what I mean. It was just a spur. I was not lost. I'm here today. I was not lost. And you're going, yeah, all the women are going, yeah, guys never admit they're lost. Right? We get it. <laughs> but if you're truly lost hiking, once you're found, 
it affects your preparation for the next hike. Or if you've lost a child physically, whether it's in a shopping mall or amusement park, and and probably every parent here has had that moment where you think, I've lost my child. And it might just be for a second or two and you find them immediately and everything's okay. But some of you maybe have literally lost a child and, and you've had to recognize, I've lost the child. Well, once the child is found, it affects your preparation the next time you go to that place. God is calling us as a body, I believe, to a level of desperation, a level of longing that will affect our preparation. And preparation affects expectation. If you're on a sports team, it depends on your level of preparation, your level of expectation. If you're taking a test and you have not prepared, your expectation is pretty low. I asked my granddaughter Eden the other day, she had a spelling test, and I said, how do you think you did? And she said, well, I don't know. I said, did you spell all the words right? She said, yeah. I said, well, I think you probably did pretty good. And so if you have a spelling test and you know the words and you know how to spell them and you've studied them, when you go into the test, your expectation should be high, right? Our expectation as we come into church on Sunday morning should be at such a level that we know something is going to happen. And that something for sure is we give our hearts to him in worship. Amen? Again, not an expectation of a person. Not an expectation on anyone here to perform for anyone else. Our expectation, just like Paul, I eagerly expect that I will in no way be ashamed. And the other time we saw that in Scripture, Romans 1.16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. I think it's something about this stage that makes me emotional because I've said it so many times I'm not emotional and I don't even believe it myself now. Some of you know my daughter and and my son-in-law, Matt and Katie, are in India. And Katie had sent me a story about riding in a van and she had her Bible with her. And she pointed to this verse, that verse in Romans 1.16 about not being ashamed. And it's that expectation that in our connectedness to Christ, we will not be ashamed. Amen. And so going back to the passage in Philippians, Philippians 2, and I'm going to end because I'm going to be way beyond time. This picture of the part that I read about the humility of Jesus to me is unbelievable. The picture of him leaving the throne room, right? and becoming a man 
And it says he humbled himself and became obedient unto death. And so I've meditated on that since because at the very beginning it says your mind, your mind should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Your attitude, and our, and our attitude affects our actions, right? How you think affects what it is you do. And in this passage, it says your mind should be, our mind should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. And we see him taking the form of a servant. We see him leaving the throne room to become a man. We know of the sacrificial death that he died. He humbled himself. There's that word again, humility. Humility. He humbled himself and became obedient unto death. Humility and obedience are connected. If you've wondered how, how does humility work, become obedient to something. As you become obedient in prayer, as you become obedient in tithing, as you become obedient to fasting, humility will be leading the way because humility and obedience are connected together. But again, it's very hard for us, especially as men, and I felt this week a real stirring to speak to men this morning because I think we struggle more with this thought of humility than I think women do. I know men do. The other side of humility is the word pride. And pride, scripture is very clear God opposes the proud and he gives grace to the humble. He opposes the proud and he gives grace to the humble. So pride is simply, I've got this, I think I know that. It's the I things that we bring with us into church, into our week. You see, our expectation is not just on Sunday morning. I think Sunday morning is simply an overflow of what we've been doing all week. It's a celebration, amen? And if you've been to a celebration that they didn't prepare well, and you don't even have cups or something to drink. You know, the preparation was poor. But if you go to a celebration where they've been planning and they've got it all, thank you, Jesus, that's where we're at as a body. We're, we're preparing. We're preparing out of our desperation for him, our longing for him. But it starts with humility. It starts with humility. And what is interesting to me, Colossians 3, and I'm not going to go there so I need to close. Colossians 3, you know, it's interesting what Charla and the others said this morning. Colossians 3 talks about covering all of these, over all of these virtues, put on love. Over all, over all of this, so we're carrying humility like Jesus and all, over all of them is love the last part of those verses in Philippians 
Therefore, God exalted Jesus. He gave him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue confess to the glory of God the Father. There's only one. There is only one. Let's pray. Father, help us this morning. We know your spirit is moving and working. And I pray that hearts will be drawn to you in the name of Jesus. Amen. We're going to give a time of invitation, but especially if the ministry team will come forward. But I especially want to want to say a word to men and anyone else and there could be different reasons why you want to respond maybe you want to know Jesus maybe you're needing something physically but I especially want to speak to that word of pride maybe you've acknowledged and sensed in your own heart that maybe that's something that you're dealing with and when I first started I talked about movement when we came to the emergency services, Melody and I were seated in the back just because it was full. And the closer I moved toward the front, the, the heaviness of the spirit was there. And so we're going to take just a moment in prayer, in our time together, to give you a chance to respond for whatever reason, whatever you're feeling in your heart, the spirit is drawing and we pray that you would respond now. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to give, please visit us at theroads.church. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel to watch our latest sermons.